Hi, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to worship. Welcome to Schweitzer today. It is so good to be with you. Wherever you're at, we're glad you're here. It is uh, awesome to be able to worship with you on this day. If you're guests with us today, special thanks. Thanks for being here. Really glad you're here. And we have a gift for you. And we'll send that right out to you. It's a Starbucks digital gift card. Just check in with us. Thanks for doing that. I'm Jim, and I serve as a pastor here at Schweitzer and also for our host in this experience, this time of worship today. And today we're, we're, in our, uh, we're in the series called The Apostles' Creed, where we're exploring what it is we believe and why. And, the, and today we're specifically going deeper into the person of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Pastor Spencer will lead us in the message, and God has a word for us all. God has something to say to each of us today. So really look forward to that. Also, if you'd like to go deeper uh, today, we have a link, schweitzer.church slash next, where we have sermon discussion questions and so much more. So check that out. You'll be glad you did. And now let's hear from Stephanie. He's going to tell us more about what's going on here at Schweitzer. Hi, I'm Stephanie. We are so glad you're here this morning. As you might know, Schweitzer is a very active place with many opportunities for people of all ages and stages of life. Here are a few things coming up that will give you a chance to connect, engage, and invite others. Coming up on Friday, February 25th from 6.30 to 8.15 p.m., Schweitzer Kids is hosting its first R&R night of the semester. This is a fantastic opportunity for parents and kids to refresh and recharge. It is free, but you do need to sign up by going to schweitzer.church kids. On March 2nd at 6 p.m., we'll be hosting an in-person Ash Wednesday service. This will be a very special time together as we prepare for the Lenten season. The service will be less than an hour and will include music, a message, and the imposition of the ashes. We hope you'll be a part of this experience as we look forward to Easter. Also in March, we have some new group opportunities. On Sunday, March 6th from 2.30 to 4.30, we'll begin offering a grief support study called Grief Share. This study is designed to help people navigate the loss of a loved one, family or friend. We know there are a lot of people in our community grieving, and we know this study will provide encouragement and tools to navigate the hard parts of loss and grief. You can learn more about this study at schweitzer.church slash griefshare. Also on March 6th, Pastor Jason will begin leading a group through a study called Be the Bridge. This book will help us engage more on the conversation of racial reconciliation and much more. Learn more about this and other small groups at schweitzer.church next. One last thing, ladies, this Saturday, February 19th, starting at 10 a.m., we're hosting our women's brunch. This will be an exciting time together, enjoying a fantastic meal and finding encouragement in the Lord's Prayer through what we're also calling Beads and Brunch. If you haven't signed up yet, today is the day. You can find out more at schweitzer.church women or by visiting with one of the ladies in the lobby today. Once again, we are so glad that you've joined us. Let's continue with worship. 
Thanks so much, Stephanie. We really appreciate you and, and your ministry. Uh, it is good to know what's going on here and how, how we can connect with others and with God here at Schweitzer. If you're worshiping with us live today, we invite you to engage. We have a chat feature on your screen. Uh, access that, uh, hit that, and you'll be able to uh, talk with others, say hi, and give us your insights. We, uh, we really appreciate, we love hearing from you. Also, if you'd like to receive prayer, uh, we have prayer, we have people available to pray with you. So there's a prayer button, uh, feel free to access prayer as well. It's a real gift and uh, we would love to pray with you. And now on this day, this day that God has given us this gift with all the possibilities in it. Let's worship together. Let's celebrate God. Let's enjoy each other. Uh, let's worship. Holy Spirit, God, my vision, help see the way you see always Jesus ever Jesus Christ and all as Christ in me and Holy Spirit guide my speaking words of grace and truth abound let my lips be filled with stories of the mercy that you're the light, you're my path, you're the shepherd of my soul, all I am and all I have, Holy Spirit, lead me on. Holy
Let's pray together. It is so good to be able to pray together each week, to, uh, to pray to and with God, and to know that we are in community as we uh, have this conversation uh, with our holy God. God is so good. And this week in our prayer is, uh, is related to the Apostles' Creed, this series, and Spencer in leading us in the part of the Creed this week in the Holy Spirit as we invite the Holy Spirit to come. The Holy Spirit who is uh, a person, uh, who is very personal, who is a gift uh, from the Father and the Son, who is for us and not against us, and again is to be trusted completely and is one that uh, we can call upon as our advocate, as our friend. And so today I just invite us to Pray. I will read a prayer by uh, Father Cantalamesa, uh, who gives us this prayer. I'll read it. I invite you to see the words and to really let them, if you will, soak in. And then we'll go into a time of silent prayer. So I invite you to hear these words. Come, O Holy Spirit. Come, power of God and tender sweetness of God. Come, you who are both motion and rest. Renew our daring, be our companion, so that we will not feel lonely in this world. Create in us intimacy with God. We do not say any longer, as the prophet said, come from the four winds, as though we did not know where you come from. We say, come, Spirit, from the pierced side of Christ on the cross. Come on the breath, blowing from the lips of the risen Christ, our Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of the Holy Spirit. It is, uh, it is good and it is comforting to know that your Spirit is with us to comfort us, to lead us, to guide us, to convince us, to persuade us, to give us all that we really need and to know that we are not alone, that the Spirit is with us. So today we do continue to invite you, come Holy Spirit, uh, be in our lives this day and always. Uh, we welcome you. And Lord, we thank you for the gift of prayer and that you continue to pray for us and that you've given us a prayer that we have a foundation in and that is, uh, is one that we pray in both humility and confidence and saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 
As we come to this time of offering, we thank God for God's uh, care over our lives, in our lives, and God's generosity, God's provision, uh, God uh, meeting our needs and really uh, loving us beyond our imagination. And we respond to God's love and care through the uh, returning uh, tangibly our gifts, our tithes and offerings. We give back to God out of all that God gives to us. And we really appreciate your generosity, uh, your gifts, and they really matter. And as a community-focused church, we, uh, we believe in caring for our community in all kinds of ways. And so recently, we've been doing that. And so we want, uh, we want to hear from Sheila, who's going to tell us more about how we are out there caring for others in our community. Let's watch. Hi, friends. This is Sheila Pippen. I'm your director of First Impressions here at Schweitzer. I wanted to check in with you and let you know of a couple of things that have been happening recently at our church and in the community. We recently put together some homebound Valentine boxes and delivered them to our friends who can't get to church as often as they'd like to. They consisted of some candy, a personal Valentine, and just some fun things that would remind them that we really do care about them. And just recently, I had a call from one of the area hospitals thanking us for all the cards and notes that you wrote last fall. And with the pandemic still being an issue in our community, they are truly concerned about their employees and their morale. They ask if we would encourage again with special notes and gifts. Just this week, our volunteers put together several things that we delivered to the hospitals yesterday. We're going to encourage those people to stay the course, thanking them for their diligence and their dedication to their work. It's because of your generosity and your support that ministries like this can happen. I am so thankful to be a part of a church that is Christ-centered and community-focused. Thank you. Thanks so much, Sheila, for updating us on how we as a church are caring for others in our community. Uh, it's really uh, heartening to see that the healthcare workers are being lifted up and all they're doing in this unique season and caring for others. Uh, we really appreciate your gifts. Again, thanks for your tithes and offerings. That makes these kind of ministries happen where people are noticed, loved, and cared for. And we can all continue to give uh, each week by going to schweitzer.church slash give. Uh, we again appreciate your gifts. Thanks so much. And now, now let's, uh, let's prepare to watch, uh, hear God's word as Spencer leads us in week six, week six of the Apostles' Creed. Let's watch. I believe in God, believe the, Father in God Almighty, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Of heaven and, earth. and in Jesus Christ, his, Jesus only, Christ, son, his only Son, our Lord, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
Well, welcome today. My name is Spencer. I'm so glad that you've joined us today. Uh, Today's part six of our series on the Apostles' Creed, where we're walking through this basic confession of Christian faith. I mean, the Apostles' Creed is really what all Christians in all times and all places have believed, and it's a summary of the gospel. So what we're doing is just really walking through line by line, section by section, just uh, phrase by phrase as we walk our way through the Apostles' Creed. We're asking two questions as we go each week. Uh, What do we believe and why? What do we believe and why? So as we've been walking through the creed, today we've come to the last section of the creed, and here's how that last section goes. We say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the dead, and the life everlasting. Amen. And so today, as we start this last section, the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at this last section. We're going to look just at this first line today where we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And as we say that line, I don't, know, I don't know how you feel about it, but as we say that line, it's kind of like, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And like, what, what else should we be saying with that? Because it's all we say is, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I mean, when we talked about God the Father, we talked about how God the Father was the maker of everything, the heavens and earth. We talked about Jesus. We talked about he's the son of God. He's, he's our Lord. He we talked about his birth. We talked about his death and resurrection. We talked about his victorious return. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, it's just like, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And what else? I mean, what is just kind of leaves you, it leaves you hanging there. Just what else do we believe about him? And so as we, as we think about this, the, the Holy Spirit, I mean, there's, there's this statement here that, that feels a little bit like the Holy Spirit gets just like a little bit forgotten in the Apostles' Creed. So I, you may not know this about me, but I, I, I'm a third of three kids in my family. I grew up, I have an older brother, older sister. They both live out of state. And, and when I th- think about the, the Apostles' Creed here with this line, I believe in the Holy Spirit, it's kind of like, what else is there? I, I can't help but, but think about what it's like as the youngest kid who also gets forgotten sometimes, because it, it feels familiar to me. I mean, the youngest kid sometimes gets left out and gets forgotten, and that's kind of how the Holy Spirit is in this sense. As I know if you're the oldest in your family, you may think the youngest had it easiest, but, but in reality, I mean, it's hard sometimes being the youngest because you, you would get for, forgotten. I mean, I remember when we were growing up, we had this, uh, we had this station wagon, this is before minivans in the, in the 80s. We didn't have minivans quite yet. And so families had station wagons. And, and who was it who had to sit in the back of the station wagon? Well, it was the youngest, of course. And, and sitting in the back back then wasn't like sitting in the back now. Like when my kids have to sit in the back of the car, they get iPads and they get tablets, things to do. No, you're just sitting there by yourself. You can't hear anything else that's going on in the car. And on top of it, in those days, the, the back seat faced backwards. So you were just totally cut off from everything. And, and like I can't help but think of that experience when I hear this line of, I believe in the Holy Spirit because there's just left thinking like, oh, what, what else is there? Like, this just feels a little bit forgotten. And, and sometimes when you hear Christians talk about the Holy Spirit, it sometimes feels like that as well. Like the Holy Spirit is kind of this forgotten part of the Trinity. It's, it's like we, we acknowledge the Holy Spirit. We say that, right? We believe in Father, Son, Spirit. We baptize people in the Father, Son, and Spirit. But, but sometimes when you hear Christians talk about their experience, it's almost as if the Holy Spirit is this forgotten part of their life, kind of gets left out of, of what it is that God is doing in their life. And, and it's almost as if the Holy Spirit, I mean, is it like Jesus' weird brother? I mean, how do we understand this? And so today we're gonna, we're gonna unpack this. Like, what is it we believe about the Holy Spirit? Who, who is the Holy Spirit? What does he do in our life? And, and how do we understand him? And, and probably the best place to go in the Bible to really get to, to the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life, uh, is, is Acts chapter two. This is the story of Pentecost, the story of the birth of the church when the Holy Spirit is given to the church. And it's so helpful as you look at real examples of people. What did they do when the Holy Spirit came upon them in their life? It's such an incredible, incredible thing. And so if you go to Acts chapter 2, this is 
an incredibly important day. Uh, Jesus has uh, ascended back into heaven. He's told his disciples to wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Of course, they don't know what that means, but he's told them, wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's coming to to into your life. And, and when he comes, Jesus has said, he's going to allow you to be a witness. He's going to fill you with power. And they're like, I don't even know what any of this means, but this is the, the gift that you're, you're called to wait for. And so they're waiting. And you turn the page from Acts chapter one, where they're waiting to Acts chapter two, when the gift of the spirit is given. And here's how it goes. Let's read through this. Acts chapter two, verse one it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Now they're all together. The day of Pentecost is a, is a Jewish holiday. It's the, the celebration of, of uh, the harvest, an annual kind of, kind of holiday. And as they're celebrating the harvest, what we're going to see in Acts chapter two is a harvest of souls as thousands of people are going to come to, to faith in Christ. And, and you'll notice here that they're all together in one place. They're all together. All the apostles, all the disciples, all, uh, everyone is together in this place, which, which is another way of saying this. Um, Every single follower of Jesus on earth is together in one place. They're, they're in this room. Every single Christian on earth is in this room. And what we know from Acts 1 is that it's about 120 people total, which is a really staggering idea. When you think about what the Christian movement did, how these 120 people come into the world and change the course of world history, how it just starts with this small group of people. It's staggering, especially when you think about how today, across this weekend, as people interact with our worship services, whether online or they come in person, we'll have like 10 times those numbers. And this makes you wonder if God could do that with 120, what can he do with us? I mean, this is the same God at work. And so there's 120 Christians, every single follower of Jesus on earth together in this place. And uh, here's what happens. Verse two, it says, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent uh, wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now, notice it says it's like a wind. It's not actually a wind. It's not like they're in a drafty house where they're at. No, it sounds like a wind. And, and of course, if you're reading the Bible and you think about the big picture of the Bible, that's an incredibly significant thing to, to refer to, this wind. I mean, I think about, for instance, how when the people of Israel were just freed from slavery in Egypt and they're on the banks of the Red Sea and the Egyptians come after them to, to capture them, to bring them back to Egypt to be slaves again, and God rescues them. Remember how it says it in the Bible? It says that, that what happened is that the wind began to blow over the waters of the Red Sea so that they parted and the Israelites walked on dry ground. It was the wind that did this. So I think about Elijah, the great prophet, as he goes up on the mountain, as he's depressed and he goes to the cave to hide and, and he meets with God. And one of the ways that, that God shows himself on the mountain that day is, is through a violent wind that tears apart rocks. Or I think about Jesus when he's talking to Nicodemus and he talks about being born again and how people are born of the Spirit. And, and as he's talking about this experience of being born again, one of the things he says is that the Spirit blows, the wind blows wherever it goes. He's just talking about the, the presence of the Spirit, how does this wind. Or I think about how in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, the original languages of Hebrew and Greek, both languages, the word for, for Spirit is the word wind. Like this is this uh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge kind of thing here in Acts chapter two, it's a blowing of a violent wind. Like we should be thinking about all of these times in scripture where God shows up in powerful ways through wind because this is the presence of the Holy Spirit now. We keep reading here, verse three. It says they, they saw what seemed to be, again, it's not actually, it seems to be, it's like uh, tongues of fire 
that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues or, or languages as the Spirit enabled them. And, and I don't know what words you just heard there, but I hope two of the words that you heard were each and all. As in tongues of fire fell on each of them and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. This gift of the Spirit is not just for some people. It's not just for the leaders. It's not just for the people with microphones or people who are out up front. It's for everybody, all 120 of them. It's for every single follower of Jesus. This is the gift that's been given to us. Let's keep reading here. Verse, uh, verse five it says, Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven, which is a bit of an exaggeration, but you get the point. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. And utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Which is a funny idea. Like, how do they know they're from Galilee? This has always kind of grabbed my attention. How do they know they're from Galilee? Because they're speaking in different languages. How do they know this? And so some people have wondered, and I just kind of think this is hilarious, makes me laugh, that maybe the way that these people who are from out of town speak these different languages, maybe the way they know they're from Galilee is because even though they have this miraculous gift of tongues, maybe they're still speaking with an accent, which to me is just hilarious, has nothing to do with what we're talking about today, but I just think that's a really funny little, little thought. Let's keep reading here, all speculation. Uh, keep reading here, uh, verse eight. I say, how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Now, for those of you who are keeping score at home, that's 16 different nations and languages that are mentioned there. And in this incredible miracle here of this gift that's been given to the church, the, the way that the Holy Spirit has come on them, I mean, there's two things here I, I, I want us to, to, to see. And, and one of these things, one of the things that we need to see is in, this, in this incredible miracle is that this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, these, these gift of tongues that's happened here, is that every single person who would have been in Jerusalem that, that day, all these travelers from these 16 different nations, every single one of them would have spoken Greek. Greek was the language of the day and it had been for 400 years. And so if you're gonna travel from any part of the Roman Empire to another part, you would have spoken Greek. And yet when the, these Christians, these 120 who had been together in one place, when they emerge on the scene and they begin to testify about what God is doing, they don't speak Greek, which everyone would have understood. Instead, they speak their own native languages, which, which says something, doesn't it, about the, the nature of God, about how personal God is and how He cares to connect with us individually. And, and then as you're thinking through this as well, there's another part of this miracle that's just absolutely incredible. Because as you connect the dots to the Bible just a little bit more, you, you think about another story in the Scripture where God uses language in a miraculous way. And that's in Genesis chapter 11 with the Tower of Babel. Now in that story, what's happening is that God is using language to divide people because of their sin and their pride, which is what happens with sin. Sin always divides us from others, from ourselves, from God. It divides us from the life we want. And so in that story in Genesis 11, sin is dividing people. God is using language in that way. But here in Acts 2, the day of Pentecost, 
This gift of tongues is bringing people together because through the work of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, people are brought together. And there's all kinds of things that divide us, but, but through the work of the Spirit, there is this unity that we find. And that's really another sermon for another day, but this is what we find here is that there's this unity, this salvation that happens through the work of the Spirit. Now let's keep reading here. Verse 12 says, Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? And so verse 13, Some, however made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. Well, Peter stood up with the 11. He raised his voice and addressed the crowds. Fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. He's like, for crying out loud, they're not drunk. Come on now. No, something else is happening entirely. Verse 16, he says, no, this is what has been spoken by the prophet Joel. And then he goes on this lengthy description and quote from the prophet Joel about how the gift of the Spirit is gonna be poured out on everybody, old and young. People from all over are gonna receive the gift of the Spirit as it's poured out on us, that we're gonna have visions and dreams and that the work of the Spirit is gonna happen in our lives. And this is what's been fulfilled now through the work of Jesus, that he has been given to us and now the Holy Spirit has been given to us. And then Peter goes on and he explains the work of Jesus that he's done um, in our lives. And, and we keep going here and, and finally Peter wraps up his sermon and he gives a call to action to people based on the work of the Spirit and what Jesus has done. And, and verse uh, uh, 58 here, 38 here, this just says, Peter replied to the people. He says to everyone, he wraps up this sermon. He says, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom uh, the Lord our God will call. And the Bible goes on and tells us that 3,000 people are added to the church that day, from 120 to 3,000. This is what takes place on this day of Pentecost, the day that the Holy Spirit is given to the church, the birthday of the church. Now, there is a lot that could be said from Acts chapter 2. Oh my goodness. I mean, we could stay on this for a long time because there are like books and books and books and books that are written about Acts chapter two and how it's so important. I mean, there's obvious things in here that we could talk about. We could talk about the gift of tongues because that's interesting. I mean, what do you do with the gift of tongues? How do you understand this? And, and, and there's a whole movement of churches that have emerged that emphasize the gift of tongues. We call this Pentecostalism that, that celebrate this and emphasize the supernatural work and the gifts of the spirit and especially the gift of tongues and, People have asked me, and I've shared in sermons before, some of my thoughts about the gift of tongues, which is, long story short, simply this, uh, that the gift of tongues is, is a, a gift from the Lord. And when God gives gifts, we shouldn't you know, second-guess them. And even if we don't understand them, we need to be open to what God wants to do in our life, whatever that might look like, um, that whatever this, this happens here. But as you read through this, this, uh, this story of the gift of tongues and, and how you see this, you know, we need to be open to, this, to the work that God wants to do. In fact, in 1 Corinthians Paul tells us that we should desire spiritual gifts, which again, that's another sermon for us to talk through. But, you know, there should be an openness in us that God wants to do what God wants to do. Let's be open to the work that he wants to do. But with that said, if you make Acts chapter 2, this story of Pentecost, about speaking in tongues, as if that's the most important thing, well, you miss what this is really about if you think this is just about that. Because there's, there's something else much deeper at play here than just the gift of tongues. I mean, let's ask a a deeper question here. Um, Why are the followers of Jesus, these 120, why are they speaking in tongues? 
And the simple answer here that we see is they're speaking in tongues in order to share the good news. They're speaking in tongues in order to tell of the glory of God and the greatness and the goodness of God, to, to share this with people that others might respond, to, to live into the promise that Jesus gave us that we would receive power to be his witnesses, to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, to spread everywhere, that we would be able to, through the power of the Holy Spirit, be able to do this. And, and, and so these 120 people, they go out and they tell everyone they can about the goodness of God and the good news of Jesus Christ. In fact, I would say that the, the bigger miracle that's in Acts chapter 2 is not so much that they speak in these other languages, but rather that these 120 ordinary, forgetful, and frightened people leave the room that they're in in order to go tell the world about what Jesus has done. To me, that's the greatest miracle because it's a miracle of transformation in their lives. And that's what we see when the Holy Spirit comes in our lives is that there's transformation. I mean, probably the one you see this most clearly in in Acts chapter 2 is the story of Peter. I mean, let's think about Peter for just a second. Peter is the one, of course, who stands up and gives this great sermon, the first Christian sermon, the sermon that calls these people to action, to repent and believe and to follow Jesus. But let's think about Peter for just a second, because in the Bible, six weeks before this happens, Peter's a different person. Six weeks before this gift of the Spirit is given and Peter is bold and brave, six weeks before this, Jesus was with his followers and they're sharing together in a supper. We call it the Last Supper before he's arrested and crucified. And, and at that Last Supper, Jesus begins to speak of his death. You know how the story goes. He holds up bread and he talks about how his body is gonna be broken for them, to eat and to remember them. He takes up the cup of wine. He talks about his blood is gonna be spilled for them and starts to talk about his, his death and how the, the, the bread and the wine represent what's gonna about to take place to him. And do you remember what Peter said to Jesus when Jesus started to speak about his death? Peter was like, uh-uh, no way, nuh-uh, Jesus, listen, Jesus, I got your back. Peter was, Peter was like, Jesus, if they come after you, they got to come through me first. That's what Peter was like. In fact, here's what Peter exactly said. This is Luke chapter 22. Peter said to Jesus, listen to this. He said, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Big words spoken by a big mouth. But of course, you know how the story goes, that Jesus is arrested, he's beaten, he's tried, He's taken into the courtyard. And as the people come to arrest Jesus, Peter, probably to live into these, these words that he spoke, and he follows Jesus into the courtyard for his trial. And remember how Peter, he's warming his hands by the fire to, to, to kind of be near Jesus. And someone sees him and he's like, I know you. you. You were with him. You were with Jesus. And you remember what Peter said? This is Luke 22 again. So it says this, Peter denied it. And he said, woman, I don't know him. And then a little time passed and someone else says, no, 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 no. I know you were with Jesus. I saw you with him. And here's what Peter said. Again, Luke 22. He says, man, I am not. No way. Keeps going a little bit longer. So I was like, nah, you, you're from Galilee. I can hear it in your voice. I can hear your accent. I know that you were with Jesus. And then finally, Peter, he just said this. He said, man, I, I don't even know what you're talking about. And so here we have Peter trying to be with Jesus, living to these words that he has. And, and then Jesus, of course, goes through his trial. He's beaten, he's mocked, he's crucified. And three days later, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. He appears to his disciples, he appears to Peter, he shows himself to others. And, and then he promises to these, these followers, followers this gift of the Holy Spirit. And six weeks later, 
Six weeks, that's all. Now you have Peter standing in front of multitudes, sharing the good news of Jesus. I mean, you have this promise that Jesus has given that through the power of the Holy Spirit that you're going to be a witness, you're going to testify of the goodness of God like you didn't do in the garden that night, but you're going to do it now. And now Peter is living into this promise, testifying and preaching and sharing the good news of what God has done. So what's changed? Like, how did Peter go from that guy to this guy? Because when you look at Acts chapter 2 and you, and you look at Peter, you're like, who's this? Where'd he come from? Like, this is not the same guy that six weeks later couldn't even own up that he knew Jesus. And now here he is in Jerusalem testifying to thousands and multitudes about the goodness of God. Where'd he come from? And, and so the, the miracle, though, is, is, is not just with Peter. It's with the 119 other disciples of Jesus who were also with Peter that day, who were also standing up to testify. These, these ordinary, forgetful, frightened people have been transformed. And so what's happened? Well, the Holy Spirit has been given. That's what's happened. There's been a transformation that's taken place. With 120 people, they now have this new power at work in them that they can't explain it, they don't understand it, and yet God is at work in their lives in a way that is real, and it's drawing other people to Him as well. This is the promise. This is what the Holy Spirit does. And I, and I think Peter is, is pointed out here in Acts chapter 2 in particular to kind of show us, you know, there's nothing special about Peter, but, but I think Peter is, is pointed out here in Acts chapter 2 to show us that, that if Peter, of all people, could experience this transformation, then you know what? Anybody can. If Peter can go from the coward to this brave preacher, anybody can. This is a gift that's for absolutely everyone. And that's the promise of Scripture, that when you belong to Jesus, the gift of the Holy Spirit is available to you. And, and the gift of the Holy Spirit is a gift that's going to change our life and it's going to transform us. And the great work that the Spirit does in our life is it brings about renewal and change within us. And this is a gift that's available to you that your life can change just like Peter's. I mean, listen to some of the promise of Scripture we see in different places in the New Testament. Uh, here's a few examples of this. Um, Ephesians chapter 1, listen to this. It says, when you believed, when you believed, not when your life was perfect, not when you had everything figured out, not when you were really, really, really holy and righteous. No, no, no. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Romans 5, 5. God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Not will be, not someday, but already has been given to us. Romans 8, 11, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is, is, present tense, living in you. Luke eleven thirteen, 13, Jesus himself says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. You see, the Holy Spirit is not for someone else. The Holy Spirit is not some footnote at the end of the Apostles' Creed. The Holy Spirit is the gift of God's very presence that He wants to fill your life with. You see, the, the invitation of the Gospel is that God the Father Almighty, the Maker of all things, that He loves you so much that He gave His one and only Son that, that you might be redeemed and saved forgiven and given eternal life. 
And, and not just for some time in the future, but even now he wants you to live into the life of God. He wants you to live into the eternal life, the good life, the abundant life through the power of the Holy Spirit, that he wants to actually fill your life with his presence. This is the gift of the Holy Spirit, that God wants to fill your life, that he wants to lead you, that he wants to guide you, that he wants to be active in your life, that he wants you to know him and know his voice, that he wants to empower you, that he wants to transform you. You see, what we should expect as followers of Jesus is we should expect the power of God to be at work in us. We should expect the transformation that took place in Peter's life to happen in our life. We should expect that the miraculous work of God that propelled the Christian movement forward, we should expect that to be at work in us because that's what the Holy Spirit does. This is who the Holy Spirit is. He has been and always will be at work in the followers of Jesus. And this is a gift that's been given for you. And this is what we mean when we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And so today what we're gonna do as we close, just like the past few weeks, is I'm gonna say a prayer and we're gonna invite the Holy Spirit into our lives. And, and then what we're gonna do is we're gonna join our voices together to say the words of the Apostles' Creed and to affirm what all Christians in all places at all times have also believed. And so let's pray together. And so Father, today, we give you thanks for the gift of your Son that has given us the gift of the Spirit. And we want to know you and walk with you. We want our arms, our eyes, our, 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 our lives to be open to the reality of your presence in us. And sometimes maybe we're closed off to this. Maybe it's things we don't understand. Maybe, maybe we fill our lives with sin or we get distracted. But Lord, today we want to just take a moment, wherever we are today, maybe to close our eyes, maybe to extend our own hands and to just ask you, Lord, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit again? We know this is the gift that's been given for us. And we know that through the Holy Spirit, you wanna be at work in us. You wanna to speak to us, you wanna lead us, you wanna give up us gifts that we can follow you as well. We wanna be used by you to be a witness in the world, not to live in fear, but to have the courage of the comes through the Holy Spirit. So God, today, would you fill us with the power, the presence of you in our lives, of the Holy Spirit. So Lord, we thank you that this is the gift that is for all of us, for each of us, and for every single follower of Jesus. You wanna pour out your spirit into our lives. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray today. Amen. So friends, let's join together with the words of the Apostles' Creed. As we say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being in worship today. It's been really good to gather and to uh, celebrate uh, God together. Special thanks to Stephanie for keeping us connected. We appreciate her so much. Also to the worship team, who through your gifts, uh, really bring us into God's presence. Spencer for that message. 
that message on the power of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, who is both our advocate, a friend, and so much more. And if you know anybody that could benefit from an encouraging message uh, to know that God is real and God is with us and for us through the Holy Spirit, share this on social media. We appreciate you doing that. Uh, and we know the person that we share it with will really uh, be appreciative of the, of the gift. And so we'll see you back uh, next week. It's week seven of the Apostles' Creed. Can't wait to be in worship with you again. Uh, the day of worship is always the best day of the week. As we close here today, just a final word on this, uh, this special day. Go Rams. Here we go. All right. See you back next week. Oh, send me, Lord.